Welcome to the Law of Starbucks podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us today. We are lucky to have in the studio Leslie Fanzag. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm so excited about, <laughs> about talking to you guys. <laughs> well, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. So, so Leslie, you, I mean, let's see, where do we start? I mean, you've, you've done a cool startup, at least one that I know of. Um, yeah, you wouldn't have heard of the other one uh, because I never launched. Um, I am the founder of a company called Venture Kits, and uh, we are a leadership experiences or leadership toys uh, for kids. Um, I've been working at it for uh, about a year. I literally started out of my basement um, with a three-month-old baby in my arms. Um, she was the inspiration behind <laughs> behind uh, thinking about uh, what the future of entrepreneurship looks like. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where Venture Kids came from. Um, so you've heard about that company. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard about that. <laughs> what, is, what does that look like? What, like, what is a, what is a leadership toy or leadership, uh, product for kids look like? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. So, you know, uh, as a, as a true entrepreneur, it's looked, uh, differently with every, uh, iteration that has launched. Um, but the initial inspiration was, uh, I just remember as a kid myself, um, I used to play ballerina, right? And I used to play uh, teacher, and uh, I, I never quite played lawyer. Sorry about that. Never played lawyer? Never played lawyer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I did, like, pretend play all of these different things, and I think that, like, it never occurred to me that CEO was a, was a job. Mm. Right. Like it never occurred to me that it was something that I could do. Right. Um, but I think that that's actually really, really powerful. And when I started uh, looking at the gifts that I would get, even for a three month old, and mind you, the context is um, I I believe I have the nerdiest household in Seattle. Um, okay. And I probably don't because it is Seattle. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have a software engineer husband. Um, I'm kind of longtime tech executive. Um we have like an entire section of our home library dedicated to the, the nerdy section uh, with books about chess and maths and calculus and things like that. Um, and when Dora, my baby, was born, um, my husband and I immediately started bickering about um, what she's going to be when she grows up, uh, you know, all like seven pounds of her. Um, and Micah would uh, would read, and he still does this, um, like his calculus textbook for like bedtime reading because it has charts. So those are like drawings. Um, and you know, he reads the how to program in C. And so to, he would say, Oh yeah, to my baby. <laughs> Cause it, I mean, that puts you to sleep, right? Like right, it's actually, it's right. a great bedtime right. strategy. Right, yeah. Um, but he would say like, she's going to be our little engineer. I don't care what type of engineer software is best, but <laughs> you know, any type of engineer is great as long as it's software. And then I would be like, no, you know, she's going to be a, she's going to be a CEO, like, duh, right? right. Obviously, like mommy. Right. Um, and so, you know, I got really immersed in like the play and learning opportunities for little kids uh, early on in my pregnancy. Um, and, you know, there's a huge wave of number one, uh, play-based learning. Um, this whole like uh, Reggio Emilia and like, uh, there's a whole movement around um, taking learning out of school and putting it in, like, free time and in, like, the fun time. Huh. Um, and also, there's, like, an enormous wave of um, learning uh, STEM, 
which is wonderful, but it's also one generation too late, right? Like the people who are really behind on STEM, STEM are ourselves. It's our generation. Right. Um, little kids, like my daughter is a digital native. Like she's uh, likely going to be able to code better than she can communicate in person. Right. Um, what we're not doing with little kids is uh, is focusing on those human skills. And I happen to have it on very good authority, married to like a software engineer husband who... Um, you know, writes machine learning for a living. Right. Um, that like the the real differentiating skills for my daughter's generation are the human ones, the mm. things that machine machines cannot do. Um, so I kind of put two and two together and said, okay, well, what would it look like um, if I developed games and toys and activity kits that um, got kids pretending that they were uh, CEOs, that got kids thinking about uh, and just trying things out there, failing and trying, and kind of masking it all in 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 a game so that it feels like it's fun it doesn't feel like it's it's uh it's work um so venture kits are they are activity kits they come with a booklet that is essentially it's it's essentially a business plan for like a good oh, business like okay. for a cookie factory and for a, a live entertainment business i call it a talent show um and these little book booklets are kind of have a simple layer of gamification on top. So you open them, it immediately puts you in the shoes of the leader, and um, and then you get to like follow a few simple steps. And through doing that, you're essentially um, you're, you're you're practicing leadership skills. You are negotiating with your friends, even though you don't know what that means. You are um, trying to listen to customers and communicate your value proposition, all of those things without realizing what you're doing. Oh, that sounds really neat. That sounds really neat. And so how old, how old is the uh, sort of the target, you know, age range for kids for this game? Uh, it's a little slippery because it turns out that kids have, um, I mean, so first they have to be able to read, right? Okay. So that's a different kind of age for different right. kids it's around six or seven but also it's pretty incredible that like kids concentration span um increases pretty dramatically over the years uh oh. and it's really individual to the kids so i am targeting kind of seven eight plus uh okay. but there's some six-year-olds who can who can still do it okay i just think like the younger the kid is the more help they need from parents Okay. If they play around eight years old, nine years old, they can basically do the whole thing by themselves. Gotcha. And you've got pretty good. I mean, you've only you've only started this thing a couple of years ago, or uh, maybe, like less than a year. <laughs> I you, launched in October. Wow, that's great. And so, yeah. And since that time, you've gotten pretty good. I mean, you got distribution of some amount, right? How did you get that? I mean, that's a so like the so the game's distributed in toy stores, right? Uh, so I did online? toy stores. Right now, it's just online. Okay. Um, I discovered that I'm not shelf ready. I think it's going okay. to take me a couple of iterations. So, okay. I mean, I'm a software person, right? Like, I haven't, I haven't sold anything or, or created Finish any old. like physical product, uh, well, ever actually. Okay. Um, you know, I've worked in hard in in like consumer products companies. Like Procter and Gamble is my first job out of school, but I myself have never um, developed a product that had to be printed and packaged. Gotcha. Um, and then you're married to it. Right, like, literally, like there's no like there's no like bug fix the next day. Like it's awful. <laughs> right, no bug um, fix at midnight. Just no bug fix. It up. sucks, man. Right. Like I miss the bug fix. Um, so you distribute online. I thought for so some I reason I recollected seeing a photo of you in a toy store or something. Because like, I did put it. I put it in toy stores over the holidays to okay. get customer feedback. Gotcha. Um, it turns out the 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 sellers love them, right? Okay. Like the, the actual toy store owners yeah. love venture kids, and parents love them. Um, but my packaging needs updating just because okay. it doesn't, I mean, it's such a conceptual toy, right. um, that when you like, 
if you have you been to a toy store recently Shoot, it's been a while, been a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what about you mike have you been to a toy yeah. store yeah i go to a toy store every once in a while i've got i've got little kids so we, we hit oh, the toy okay. store periodically I, I've, I've got a good sense of the layout where like where does this sit is that was that part of the issue Nowhere. like trying to ex- yeah. explain to the to the toy store like wh- yeah. what shelf this sits on uh yeah you, you know like um i've known from day one that adventure kids is a market maker um i you know I've seen the so there was this migration of STEM learning from the classroom to the playroom over the past five years with companies like Goldie Blocks and um, Ozobot and like Primo, you know, and, and it, it's been followed by, I would say, I think maybe close to like a hundred million dollars in venture capital over the past few years. A lot of play-oriented um, games in STEM. In STEM, okay. Um, and so. I, like I believe that the next wave of that migration is um, entrepreneurship and leadership and human skills toys, and I think that Venture Kids is the first one. So I'm super excited about the fact that I'm a market maker, but then I also discovered right. that when you're a market maker, there's no market, um, and when there's no market, that means that there's no shelf. <laughs> like there's literally there is no shelf in right. a toy store for an entrepreneurship kit for children, um, you know. And 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 then the online equivalent of that, which I also discovered, is that there's essentially no SEO. Like people are not out searching for entrepreneurship toys for kids. Right. Does that make the, they don't, they don't know that it exists. Yeah, they exactly. Have, they have to know, they have to know it exists before they can search for it. Exactly. Right? Right. Yeah. So, so buying, so buying keywords is inexpensive maybe, but doesn't do any, but good. they don't do much searching. searches. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I, uh, that I've done recently is shift my thinking from entrepreneurship skills. So I think of entrepreneurship skills as like the things that I have to do every day in my job. Right. Um, that like I, I believe would make me a better executive even if I wasn't a a, a founder. Right. Um, things like, you know, striking up a conversation and listening to people, emoting, right? Listening. Like, <laughs> not to you, Joe. No, um, I, I focus on these same things. No, listen, I, 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 think, I think about the same thing. Like, what skills should I work on today? Kind of I mean, or, or do I but need to work true. on or do I need? Or what skills even, do I like, need? The, the fundamental entrepreneurial skills is a failure, right? Like, how do you get up after you fail? Right. Um, so I think of those as entrepreneurship skills, and that's why I kind of position Venture Kids as like an entrepreneurship toy. What I've discovered is that there's a, a bigger universal language around leadership. Like those are actually hmm. leadership skills, right. right? Like communicating, negotiating, emoting, listening, trying and uh, failing and trying again, um, creative problem solving. Right. Um Right. Like these are all actually uh, indicators of leadership and leadership for kids is a much bigger kind of search category than than entrepreneurship for kids. Um, And it also gets me out of this idea. I think um, for better or worse, um, like the average customer outside of our kind of Seattle, Silicon Valley bubble, the average customer doesn't think of entrepreneurship as I think of entrepreneurship. Like they think of entrepreneurship as a lemonade stand. As what? A lemonade stand, right? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like a, or 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 um, Girl Scout cookies, huh. which are both like wonderful entrepreneurial yeah. activities. Right. Um, but I think of entrepreneurship as a much, much, much broader set of activities. Right. right. It's basically having an idea and acting on it. It has. Um, it doesn't always have anything to do with with selling something. Right. Like. Right. Um. So, you know. When I kind of transitioned the language or started transitioning the language uh, from, and this is like super hot off the press, but um, from, you know, Venture Kids is entrepreneurship for kids to Venture Kids is leadership for kids, all of a sudden I got kind of 
a, a much broader uh, set of activities that like people could re- could could see this as as being. Huh. Wow, that's great. That's great. Well, we need to teach leadership for kids and adults. <laughs> you know, there are adults who have actually purchased, purchased venture kits for themselves. Like, they yeah. just, they haven't, nobody has ever let me, like, write a story about them. But there are multiple yeah. people who, like, actually bought the venture kit for their own bakery. Or, oh, like, wow. So, yeah, yeah like, the, you know. Interesting. It's like simplified business plans. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So, okay, so what, what inspired you? So, this, the, the Female Founders Alliance is a cool, mm-hmm. relatively new thing as well. So tell yeah. us about that and what, what what inspired you in that regard. Yeah, so um, I, I you know I haven't gotten really great at telling the story, but the 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 absolute truth of the matter is uh, I've been immersed in uh, the startup industry for a few years now okay. uh, here in Seattle. So prior to Venture Kids, um, I, I was an executive at Julep Beauty, which is like a massively fun or a, a, I mean for what it is. Uh, uh, you know, Jane Park, the founder, is uh, I think the most like the the female founder who has raised the most dollars in Seattle. Yeah, uh, Hor- Andreessen Horowitz, right? Andreessen Horowitz, Madrona, good, Mavron. Yeah, that was a good Jay Z, right? Like, oh, Jay Z came like, into that. Did that uh, company yeah. sell, or am I recollect- misrecollecting? She, she, uh, yeah, they changed investors like just last year, late okay. last year. I didn't realize Jay Z invested. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't know if he personally invested or just. I mean, that, that was the PR anyway. around it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I was a julep. Uh, and then prior to that, Big Fish Games, which um, was kind of a slower burn startup, which ultimately had a billion dollar exit. Right? Yeah, like no, it that sold was for a billion dollars to uh, Churchill Downs. Very, very exciting. Um, so, you know, I'd been just immersed in this world, and it's like there are not a lot of like female executives. So when you get to that point, it like um, opens opportunities to participate in cool things, like 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 to you know mentor tech stars or, right. or just. Um, ways to get involved in the community. Yeah. And so I, I, and then I became a founder myself and uh, I found myself in this position of just knowing a lot of people from my kind of uh, days of when I was employed and had a fancy title, which actually meant something. Um, And then all of a sudden I was also like a first time founder myself. And I knew all these women who were doing what I was doing at different stages of the game, right? right? A lot of women who were like day one founders and then a whole bunch of women with names like Jane Park or, you know, Liz Pierce, the the CEO of Liquid Planner and Sarah Bird, the CEO of uh, Moz. Like, you know, I kind of knew all of these people. So I just decided to get them all together one day, introduce them to each other um, in a Facebook group, uh, which had 25 members who are literally just my friends uh, on week one. Uh, and it grew over time. Um, to, so today we have 90 members. Wow, that's great. 130 applicants. If you're an applicant and you're at least listening to this, right. I am so sorry for the delay. <laughs> uh, everybody who works on the Female Founders Alliance is doing it on a volunteer basis. And hey, by the way, we're all running our own startup. Right. Um, so what's special about that number is is not the number in and of itself. Like, I actually think that we could be much bigger. Right. Um, it's the fact that everybody who's a member, we've done due diligence on. Okay. So in order to become a member of the Alliance, um, or like one of the founders in the Alliance, um, you need to be obviously uh, identify as a woman. Right. Um, we currently only have a Seattle chapter, so you have to live in or near kind of the greater Seattle area. Right. Um, your company uh, has to be legally registered and have an online presence so nothing on stealth okay you need to be actively working on your company so like you quit your cushy job at microsoft right and are doing the thing every day okay so it's Uh, it's full-time founders full-time founder 
I mean, I, I think a lot of people who are bootstrapped have to have some like revenue making activity Something, on the side, yeah. so that's fine. But yeah. but it's not like the thing, you know, it's not your weekend project. It's your right. it's your you know your skin is in the game at yep. this point. Yeah. Uh, and then the other criteria is uh, venture scale startup. Okay. Um. So it's productized, you know, or you have an intention of it uh, to make it productized. Right. And, um. Sometimes the only way to know if it's a a, a lifestyle company or a venture scale company is to interview the founder and talk to them in person. So, right. so that's why we have this like very long list of people. I gotcha. Um, okay. And you know, it turns out when you get these founders together, uh, just like really incredible things happen, right? Like um, you're able to compare experiences in a way that you right. never could before um, start to develop a network uh, that just like saves you time, you know, right. gives you access to like, the right people, the right mentors, the right sponsors, yeah. um, and uh, I, I think it, it's a it's a very unique, interesting group because so much of what is talked about today about female founders focuses so much on the fact of us being female, right? Um, and in, in in this group, we actually focus on the fact of us being founders, right? Um, you know, everywhere else in my life, I am a woman first. Um, but when I meet with the Founders Alliance, I am a founder first and I am there to like to make my company more successful and right. help other people make their companies more successful. So in a sense, it's almost like a respite from like the the almost like victimization that we feel mm. as we are portrayed by the kind of industry at large, which is, you know, correctly done. Like we, you know, right. there are very serious inequity problems. But like at the end of the day, like nobody, like nobody wants charity. Like we are here because yeah. we want to create like yeah. incredible disruptive companies. Yeah. yeah. One thing I've noticed, and Mike, Mike, you probably noticed the same thing. I mean, um, founders can get all sorts of advice from all sorts of people, right? They can get advice from like angels and venture capitalists oh, and lawyers and accountants and all that stuff. And some of it's good and some of it's bad. A lot of it's inconsistent. But I think the best place to go for founders to get advice is other founders. Totally. Other founders. Who've been in the same spot or previously kind of like maybe a little bit ahead of, I mean, it doesn't even matter. Just other founders can be a great spot to get. Particularly when there's more than one, right? Because like yeah. if you are here, like when you increase your sample size of advice from founders, like, um, you know, if like one person tells you that like so-and-so angel group was like great and right. then 20 people told you like it was a total waste of time. Like, right. You know, it, it's just a lot more helpful to... But, it, you know, one of the things that we all wonder is, like, how do you tell the good advice? Or, like, you you really get so much advice. Right. A lot oh of it inconsistent. God. And, frankly, I've seen a lot of founders kind of get yanked around a little bit. by it, You get whiplash. By, yeah. You get, I mean, they get inconsistent advice. And then they, they get unhelpful advice. I don't know. It's annoying sometimes for me to observe I'm probably I mean, it's, guilty it's of it like as well, destructive, though. right? Because, <laughs> right, like, right. I, I, on Venture Kids, I have found myself, um, you know, and ultimately Venture Kids continues to be bootstrapped because I, you know, it, like, it's still generating enough revenue for me to iterate on the product itself. Yeah. Um, so I haven't actually had to cash a check yet. Um, but, but, like, the times that I have, like, um, spoken to investors or gone through, like, um, pitching competitions and things like that. Like, right. uh, I waste time trying to like follow advice, uh, rather than just like focus on the product itself and the customer, right? Like if you lose, you know, if you're trying to like do what the investor says rather than like 
follow your customer, right? Like do right. what's right by your customer. You're literally just going to waste a bunch of time. Um, right. I can't tell you how much people complain about this. Oh yeah, that's a that's it's a awful. Big, that's a big that's a big issue. Oh, that's yeah. a big issue that people get. Yeah. Anyway, Mike, Mike, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think I've got you know the the tough thing about advice. You know, nobody knows more about what you're doing than you do, and um, and everybody's got a different perspective. About half the advice will be you know, negative advice, say, oh, well, you're not doing this right, or this market may be too small. Other people will be, you know, friends and family that are, that are too, um, they're being too polite to, to be honest with you about the business. So it's it's kind of hard to to sift through that. Um, I think having a peer group is a great idea. We I have a, a Facebook group that I set up with friends um, that I had met in the indie iPhone development community, because I, I sort of, that's the, the, the space that I come from. And, and so we still have, you know, it's probably about a I don't know, maybe 15 people in that Facebook group. And they're all, they all have their own apps on the store. They all run, you know, they're all independent developers to some extent. And, um, it's such a good, good resource. I mean, for all kinds of things, including like development questions and how to get publicity for your app. And cause we're all just looking at the same exact problem. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great way to connect. So whether, you know, whatever industry you're in. So I guess that's advice for anybody in a startup. I mean, if, as you meet people, try to, try to, you know, find your peers and, and connect with them. Facebook groups is a great way to do it. We all, I also have another group of people that I communicate just purely on text message. We have a massive, uh, a massive text message group where, it, you know, people text message each other and it goes to everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's this great yeah. idea. Yeah. we met, we met some other founders who have part of like a, they'll have like a, a Slack group or something of CEOs that they're, that's their group. I think that's, that's really smart. I, I It's like super, super smart. Cause nobody in, I mean, I, I think in a sense it also is why, um, you know, if you're desperate enough, you'll take money from where you can get it. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you really want uh, the people on your cap table, like the, the significant people on your cap table to know what to like have walked in your shoes right. and know what this is like. Right. Because I think um, and, and take it from someone who, uh, as I was saying before, <laughs> has like progressively gotten into smaller and smaller companies through yeah. the course of her I entire career. Story, <laughs> yeah. I, I was saying earlier, like I, my first job out of school was uh Procter and Gamble, which was, I think at the time, 120,000 uh, employees or something right. ridiculous like that. Right. Um, and every job has been with a smaller company up until like, a, you know, my current company of one, right. It's no longer just one, but you know, that's what it was when it started. But, um, you know, one of the things that you realize is, uh, when you do get to the company of one and you do make the leap is like, actually like ideas and advice are, are cheap. Like feedback is cheap. Anybody can poke holes. Like that is actually right. the, you know, if you are out there giving founders advice and feeling really good about how smart you are, let me tell you, like right. a dime a dozen, man, everybody has an opinion. And, and a lot of people have like incredibly well-educated, well-informed uh, opinions. The really hard thing is doing something about it. Um, right. so, you know, there, um, I think, and interestingly, that is actually what inspired me to make the Female Founders Alliance quite exclusive. Um, you know, as a, there are a lot of groups out there that are for everyone, right? Like for everybody who is considering entrepreneurship, everybody who's like a, you know, a, if you're a product manager at Microsoft or like whatever, right? Like I was before, um, there's a lot of groups that you can belong to, but the female founders lines, like you actually have to have made the leap um, right. because there is, uh, I mean, I believe for most of us, like 
uh, there is an enormous amount of learning and humility that comes with like those first six to 12 months of going out on your own and realizing that like, you know, you really don't know anything. You just don't like there's zero data. And I can literally tell uh, when a person has actually tried to execute on their idea versus just has an idea because like when you just have the idea, it's perfect. Right. Like (laughs) it's perfect in your head. You know exactly what you're going to do. You have the perfect solution. You know, you have all the answers because, you know, you haven't kicked the tires like you don't you don't know anything. Yeah. Um, But when you launch the thing and then all of a sudden, like it's like not at all what you expected. um, There is like a whole other level of. awareness and humility and like strength that comes from that. Right. And I think that that's what makes the group really, really, really special because yeah. everybody is in that same boat. Yeah. Well, so Mike, you recently been working on a launch or a relaunch yeah. or. Yeah. We're sort of um, soft launch right now on, on this. I, I do, I make meditation and relaxation apps. And so we've I've been doing that since the dawn of the app store. And, um, and so we're, I'm in the process of shifting over to a subscription model and trying to move more from like a single app app-based model where every app costs a certain amount to to more like a Netflix um, subscription model where people subscribe and they get access to a huge library of meditation content. And so the site's up and running, and, and um, but we're still kind of pre, pre-launch in a sense that we have a big, massive audience of people that, have, that are our existing customers, and we have a big email list, and, and um, but we haven't told any of those customers that this new thing exists yet because we're trying to sort of streamline it and optimize the, the sales funnel a bit so that when we do finally drive that traffic that will will convert as many of those people as possible. Nice. Um, and so it's, it's been a slow and interesting process. It's new for me. It just it's, I, I, th- I imagine you have a similar situation where you've got something that you've put up on the web that, you know, when you put it up to begin with, there's no pathways to it. There's no, you know, no, nobody knows that it's there. Um, and trying to trying to make the world aware of it and drive you know pathways to your to your website. Are you selling the venture kits mostly through your own website, or does it sell on Amazon or both? Or so currently, I just sell on my own website. Okay. Um, so that's so that's the issue. That that's the same issue I've got. So like, so what was your strategy when you put that up? Are you are you doing kind of like a um, uh, feet on the ground PR kind of a thing where you get people to write about it, or what was what was your strategy? And and maybe share what what kind of worked, what didn't work in terms of getting people to know about it. Yeah. And I, you know, what's interesting to me is that like, um, I don't have that soft launch audience for venture kids. Right. Right. Cause like it, it's day one. Right. So, or, or it was when I launched. Um, so like I envy you Mike <laughs> to like be able to, to try it out with like a small, um, with a smaller group before you blast it out to your email list. Um, so for me, I had this like, two kind of two pronged uh hypothesis testing one was um the conversion and the other one was a product itself to this day right like um i like i am simultaneously testing what converts versus what uh reconverts the uh, at png we used to call them the two moments of truth Hmm. um have you guys heard of this no so the, the first moment of truth is the conversion when you convince someone to buy the shampoo. And right. the second moment of truth is when they use it, right? Like when you can, like you show them that it was worth the purchase and okay. they're going to purchase it again. So it's the two moments of truth. And with venture kits, 
um, so like w- w- what you, uh, what it sounds like you're doing, Mike, is like you are able to like separate out those hypotheses. But with venture kits, because it's day one, I had to do both simultaneously because I, I just don't have the people, you know, I don't have the audience. Right. Um, so I <laughs> literally, I, I, I cold called is what I did. I went out and I, uh, scrubbed the web and got friends to help, um, help me find uh, as many, um, I want to say reputable mommy bloggers, but like really I would just like, they didn't even have to be that reputable. (laughs) It's just like anybody who's writing a mommy blog. Can I please send you a metric? (laughs) Please listen to me. Did they Uh, pay you for cash? A lot of them use. Like, yeah. So I, uh, and I have a friend in, in PR who like primed me beforehand. And she was like, you know, the, the mommy blogger industry is now pay to play. Yeah, like, everything intense. is pay to play now. Pretty There's, intense. Like pretty intense group. I mean, yes. I mean, you gotta pay somebody some significant money. You, if you do <laughs> anywhere from like a hundred bucks to like thousands of dollars. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, she yeah. was like, "They're brutal. Uh, <laughs> don't expect a huge conversion rate." Like, um, I remember she said, "Like in my best campaigns, we get a three percent conversion from the mommy bloggers. Okay. So like, if you're cold calling, you're gonna do worse than that." Um, and. Uh, so what ended up happening is like, I think it was like August of last year, um, I did this like email, just like blast, uh, personally emailing. I think I got to like 250 mommy bloggers okay. from all across America. Okay. Um, and since I have no shame, I also included a picture of me and my adorable daughter. Sure. Um, because like we look so cute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and no, I that's, mean, that's like, what sells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, especially. Like, like, here's the, the, the honest to God truth is like, that's the true founding story of Venture. It's like, I was actually like holding my daughter in my arms when I thought of this thing. Like, it, that this is a true, it is as true as like the fact that there's like a, you know, a real business strategy behind it. Like, yeah. it was founded by a mom with her baby in her arms. Um, but, uh, you know, when I, I started doing that and, um, I ended up having a 10% conversion rate, um, for like a free review. Okay. Which okay. is like phenomenal. Seems pretty high. Yeah. It's that's like that's great. Super high. And when that happened, like uh, to this day, anytime I have like a horrible venture could say, you know, right. if I like screw up, embarrass myself, make some you know, like make a mistake, whatever, I go back to like I go back to that statistic. If like ten percent of like the harshest audience in the entire parenting community right believed that this is important to their kids and to their parenting yeah. there's something here there's for sure something here so um i ended up sending free venture kits to all of them they wrote reviews you can find them to this day those reviews ended up um uh just snowballing into uh legitimate media coverage um and so i think that the strongest part of venture kits is just that like the the story itself resonates so strongly with parents who are like I mean honestly like it's frustrating that your kids are spending so much screen time right like right. that they're so isolated um and th- and that you like you literally no longer know how to like um it, you know the future is so uncertain you no longer know how to help set them up for like a a, a successful future right. um right. so it really plays into um to like our anxieties as parents that like we are trying so hard to like 
pump more curriculum into the already jammed school day. Yeah. And we're trying so hard to like, you know, and, and venture kids, like it's not more curriculum. It's not another after school activity, like the fifth after school activity in your poor kids day. Like right. it, it's not, and it, it's not even like, you know, locking your kid into like another two hours of screen time per week. It's just play. Right. It's just fun. Like, you're you're gonna get your like dancing shoes out and like uh you know put on a talent show with your friends yeah. you can put on a talent show you can do a lot of things in life yeah it's a really good skill live you, entertainment you, big money if i could convince mike to come out and do a dance so oh man mike <laughs> yeah you're, about you're, it. you're like lucky that there's no video feed on this because yeah right <laughs> This is uh, this is great stuff. So so remind me. So how can people find out? There's uh, two things. Where can people find the uh, the kits, the venture kits? Is it venturekits.com or what's yeah. the so, so venture kits with a, T. with a T? Yeah. Yep. And then um and then if you're a woman founder and you're interested in joining the peer group, can they? How can they apply to uh, to to join the queue uh, to to be uh, to maybe be part of the group? Yeah, so um, I'm actually going to make a broader call than that because uh, we we would love every female founder to join our community. Um, you can join, uh, go to femalefounders.org. Uh, there's a little entry form, just fill it in, it gives us your data. Um, and, you know, again, like we are getting to those responses a little slowly, but hang in there, we will get to you. Um, but I also just want to make it like a bigger call to like the tech and startup community. Like part of our goal is to create an inclusive ecosystem and like, um, you know, make the entire ecosystem a safe space for everyone. Uh, cause we just, you know, like we don't want special treatment. We want equal treatment. Like all we want is to create awesome companies that have like the same odds of success as like the equivalent male founded companies. And, right. and, and, and that's that. And I think that a lot of people want that because like, um, you know, there, there's actual data on our side, right? Like, uh, you know, diverse founding teams have 63% higher ROI uh, than non-diverse founding yeah, teams. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, well, I mean, logically, because what you're trying to do when you're building a company is you got to, I mean, in order to succeed, you've got to, you got to have a mind that's able to see lots of different things. You've got to be able to yeah. imagine different things. You've got to, it helps to come from, a, I think it helps to, that's why I think we have immigrant founded companies that are so successful because they come from different places right. and, they, and they've just been exposed to different things. I totally agree. And like, it, you know, you sit around a conference room and you try to solve a problem. You're so much more effective at solving it when there's like five different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, you got to, yeah, I think it's wonderful. When the Female Founders Alliance started, like one of the first ideas we had was to introduce each other to, uh, investors and that kind of snowballed into what ended up being a minimum viable accelerator, right? Like yeah. we picked eight companies, we like prepared them to pitch, uh, and with Joe's help, we ended up with an audience of 120 people or so. It was, great. It was, uh, it was like a who's who of Seattle investment community. Yeah. It was at the Riveter, which is a super it was at cool the Riveter, who is space. also a member of the Alliance, yeah. um, and uh, you know. Joe uh, and, you know, Carney uh, sponsored the event along with Lighter Capital. Yeah, Lighter. So I should say thank you again to all of you guys because the truth is, like, you signed up when this thing didn't have a name. Like, yeah. I mean, it takes a special kind of chutzpah to, like, you know, sponsor someone who's, like, there's no entity. There's, like, no marketing. Like, there's just, like, some, like, random woman named Leslie. And then, like, <laughs> yeah, I have this company and, like, I'm doing this other thing. Would you give me money? 
No, <laughs> and was, you did it. It was, it was awesome. And it was like, it, it really, really kicked ass. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome stuff. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. So, yeah, for again, for everyone out there listening, VentureKits.com with the K-I-T-S at the end, and then uh, Female Founder Alliance. So the website is FemaleFounders.org. FemaleFounders.org. Okay, great. Fun fact, $12 on GoDaddy. Wow, that's a good deal. I know. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good deal. I know. <laughs> I'm crafty. So oftentimes, like these crazy domain names cost a fortune. It days. was up on auctions. Hey, hey, GoDaddy, if you're listening in your auctions, you should have a buy now button because I would have spent hundreds, at least, if not thousands, on, on wow. that URL. And I ended, nobody bid on it, and I bought wow. it for $12. What a great deal. Femalefounders.org. Uh, drop us a line. Uh, we would really love to, to talk to everybody. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Dusty, so much for being on the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening.